Welcome to Odd Texas Football. It's time for State of the Program with Eric Nalin, publisher, InsideTexas.com, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Hey, uh, Eric, uh, we've got a lot of news and notes. Texas 8-1 and one, uh, on the year. You and I both picked them, I think, 10-2 and two going into the year. That That's looking pretty on track, if not better than that. And that's kind of what we want to talk about a little bit today. And one of the reasons that, that Texas is in the situation they're in and has this opportunity ahead of them uh, has been the fact that they've been so resilient as a team yeah. and found a variety of ways to win. That's something that Steve Sarkeesian has really harped on all year, but it also interplays, I think, with what you and I talked about so much is that roster management uh, idea and how depth comes into play. They play and beat Kansas State frankly, with a backup quarterback that turns it over. Yep. They, they, so they stiffen and, and use their defense. Uh, they uh, beat uh, Houston on a goal line stand. They uh, play and, and demolish. I mean, they, they play and, and win with an offensive explosion against an Alabama team that didn't give up that many points to any other school all year. They've done it in a variety of ways, and it's been the total buy-in, culture, roster management, the whole nine yards that's affected this season for Texas. You agree with that? And what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times they've had to prove in their resilience because they've also proven the ability to let teams back into the game, too. So there's a, there's a big give and take there. But, you know, in the end, they're coming out they're coming out on top in some pretty difficult situations. Some of that is of their own making. Some of that is, you know, going up against some good, good head coaches that are, are finding little uh, pressure points that they can uh, they can make hay against Texas. But overall, they're proven to be a resilient bunch. Uh, I think they're a tough, a mentally tough bunch. Um, and I think they're they're mostly well coached. It just seems like there's one little flaw that's nearly fatal. It's not quite fatal, but there's one flaw that allows these teams to get back into it. And I think down the home stretch, they're going to have to play a little bit more complete because eventually your luck runs out. You know, part of the reason we picked losses this season wasn't because they're ever outmatched on paper uh, outside of maybe Alabama, um, but it was more that, you know, there's just the probabilities of, of them, your fatal flaw showing up in another school, uh, figuring out how to take advantage of them. It, you know, the more the more tape you have out there, the more the more it's the easier it is for other coaches, quality coaches to find out how to get you. Eric, you mentioned some of those fatal flaws. What do you think some of them are for Texas? I mean, getting to the quarterback, red zone offense. Well, red, red zone offense has been a bad one, but it just seems like there's uh, something on defense that, that you know, isn't quite right in each game, but it's, it's different each time. You know, we saw that versus uh, U of H, the, you know, the, the crossing routes. Uh, this last game, they, they took advantage of, uh, of a young true freshman linebacker in coverage. There just seems to be always something. Uh, a lot of times it has been coverage, but you're certainly not going to run on, on Texas. So uh, teams are forced to, forced to throw the ball. Um, you know, that, that's helped them get back in games. It can get them out of games too if they start getting some more turnovers in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm interested to see exactly one of the things that, that uh, TCU likes is that deep middle uh, yeah. crossing route. I'm interested to see exactly where Jalen Ford comes out in this game because it's been a long time since he's got his hands on a on his guy's mitts on a ball because I think he's been so concerned with the running quarterback that he's been tucked up near the line of scrimmage. Not saying that Chandler Morris or Josh Hoover is going to, who is actually going to start uh, this game for TCU, won't present some issues in that regard. But you would think that Ford might get more into passing lanes against TCU, and that could be very, very helpful. 
Well, you know, probably the most likely outcome the way the last few weeks have been going is he's going to tip one about 30 yards in the air that Michael Taft's going to come down with. Uh, <laughs> yep. I think Taff has, uh, has an interception in three consecutive games. Two of them, I believe, were on tips. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of been right place, right time. But you're right, Jalen Ford is due. Um, you know, it has been a while for him. Uh, yeah, the deep middle is the, or the over the middle is, is going to be uh, a big part uh, of the Texas defense this week. Just, you know, a lot of they're going to get tested in every way that they've shown to be susceptible so far. And, and Texas is going to have to prove that they can, uh, you know, that they can overcome that. Because I don't think TCU, they've got a really good running back. I just don't think they're going to be able to, to do a steady dose of running the ball. Yeah, it, that is the case. I mean, you would hope, right? If that that would be Texas' worst nightmare, yeah. if, if TCU found a, a a chink in the armor of the Texas run defense, and then could also throw off of that. If anybody can do it, you know, Jeff Levy did it at, at OU, and you know what? Uh, Kendall Brile comes from the same Art Brile's coaching tree as Jeff Levy, uh, and he's now at TCU. So. Uh, be aware of that. The other thing I want to mention, uh, Eric, and that we we both took from Steve Sarkeesian's press conference on Monday that we thought was just important. Uh, the health of the Texas team right. is moving in the right direction at a time period where usually it's going in the opposite direction. Uh, Sark was really excited about the health of his team comparatively uh, to just a week ago. Yeah, they, they hit their, their run of bad luck. You know, at least we hope they hit their run of bad luck. And, and they were over to over they were able to overcome it so far. But, you know, they've got to start playing and hitting on all cylinders down the home stretch and really start positioning themselves for the playoffs. They've got to they're going to start winning more convincingly. I think, uh, you know, these comebacks that K-State's had that U of H have had are really hurting them in, in the playoff uh, uh, standings. And so the, the better the more healthy they get over the stretch, the better they should play, at least in theory. And maybe they can improve their standing for, you know, because the, the main goal is still on. Everybody's excited about being in the running for the Big 12 championship. Uh, but I think you keep your set, your heights, your sights set as high as possible until you have, until you're forced to bring them down. Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, the health includes Jalen Catalan, uh, who is back apparently or has been practicing. We hope he's back for Saturday's game against DCU. Uh, Christian Jones expected to be back. He was out. Quinn Ewers now a maybe or day-to-day, according to Steve Sarkeesian. Um, you know, Keaton Crawford hopefully back as well for, for not only special teams, but for some depth in the secondary. Uh, just a lot of things going in the right direction. Ethan Burke's return clearly was impactful against Kansas State. Yep, he was he was he looked really good. Cole Hudson uh, played more as well. Uh, yep. he, he had to play for left guard when uh when Connor went to left tackle. Uh, yeah, it's you know starting to come together. The depth did its job so far, but you know they still haven't hit on all cylinders this season outside of the Alabama game. Uh, but I think they're going to need some continuity to do that. To do that. Got it. All right, uh, let's say thanks to our sponsor each and every Wednesday. The state of the program is brought to you by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job, uh, Adam and his group have been helping injured Texans for decades. Give him a call 512-280-0800. Or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. That's 512-280-0800. Adam and his firm focus on results, and they will give you a free consultation. Uh, I've got the next thing down here. I, I want to talk about two more things, uh, specifically as it relates to the team right now. Uh, Eric, this three-game stretch and uh, the importance of it on the Texas program. You and I have been following Texas uh, for decades. Um been since 2008, 2009, since the Longhorns have been in this arena, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak, right? Uh, how important do you think 
these next three games are for Texas as a program, not just this year, but for years future. You know, if if Steve Sarkeesian is is going to be the guy in Austin that carries forward a, and has a, a career more like more like Mac Brown than I don't know John Makovic. You know what I mean? What yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think uh, Steve is actually on a pretty good uh, pace to be. There's a lot of similarities to early early Mac Brown. Mac Brown playing, uh, came with plenty of frustrations in the early years, despite the uh, success and the improvements over Makovic. Uh, and you know, I, I think it might just come down to whether or not you know Arch is his VY long term. I mean, that's that could be what gets him over the hump. Uh, but I think that the, the next three games are massive. You know, Texas should meet meet expectations. You should always reach your expectations, whatever they are. Uh, expectations were to win the Big Twelve championship. Now, this is a deceptively tough finish, I think, just because you've got so many different motivations involved. Uh, TCU wants to win at home. They've, they've played well against Texas, played well against Texas last year. Uh, Iowa State is a tough out. You've got the, uh, the, the narrative to slay about that defense with, with John Keacock kind of being the architect of the defense that has uh, given, given Sark some trouble at times. I don't think he, gets, he gives Sark nearly as much trouble as it once did. I think they'll be able to run the ball there pretty well. Uh, and then Texas Tech, where you got to overcome that loss last year. Uh, there's been some, I was, you know, there was definitely some off-season bias in Tech's favor over Texas. Uh, both teams are going to be highly motivated. You know, I, I, it's, it's a deceptively tough finish to to the to the season, uh, but Texas should win each game. But you know, that's that's why they play them. Yep. Uh, what, what does it mean though going forward? You know, what think about it? Texas pulls off a three and zero versus a one and two. Well, I think it's, yeah. I mean. Well, I think it's huge for going forward because it's going to announce Texas as being back heading into the SEC. And I think next year uh, presents some unique uh, uh, issues uh, that they don't have this year. There's going to be just a lot to overcome. So I think you need that good year to buffer and buy them a little more time to, to work through some issues next year. The SEC the first year is going to present a whole bunch of problems. Um, you know, like I said, they're losing so much talent in very important positions, middle linebacker, uh, defensive tackle, I think uh, Devondre Sweat should be getting a lot more mentioned for the Outland Trophy. I don't even think he was a semifinal, or I don't even think he was uh, on the on the uh, initial list for that. Uh, but he should be a front runner for it. Uh, replacing him, replacing Ryan Watts. There's just going to have so much to replace uh, the wide receivers. I think you know winning the Big 12, maybe making the playoffs will buy Sark a little bit more time to get people an understanding that his vision is taking root and he's, he's on the right path. And another recruiting class, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Going into twenty twenty five, they need to stack that on top. They have to get to a point where they're uh, where they're reloading, not rebuilding. And I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're on the right path. I want to I want to talk about recruiting, but first I want to mention and go more in depth on this TCU game with you, Eric. Um, uh, Texas playing uh, TCU. You're right. You mentioned it. Texas had problems with TCU last year. Uh, they seem to have their number on offense from the start of the game to the finish. It eliminated uh, any thought that B. John Robinson had a chance for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Texas uh, was able to stop Garrett Riley and his offense for the mm -hmm. most part last year, but they got a couple of big plays and, and ended up winning. Um, Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You know, TCU is one of those teams, primarily under 
Gary Patterson that has had Texas's number of late in the Big 12. Um, is this uh, a team that still has Texas's number? Is there a psychological advantage right now for TCU in this game? They're, they're playing at home? I think there's a psychological issue for fans more than the actual team. You know, Sonny Dykes is also 3-0 against Texas, and for some reason that, you know, uh, what was two of those wins were over Charlie Strong, right? So, I mean, it's, it might be time to put that behind us. Um, I think just, you know, where I care about the advantages are on, on the field, and, and Texas holds almost all of them uh, for what I can see. You know, basically because TCU is just on the down roster cycle. You know, I'm not sure if they'll ever be up again like they were last year. Uh, but, you know, they got they had a lot of unique individual talent. They had uh, eight NFL draft picks, which were, uh, I think, third or fourth in the country. And yeah, there were fourth and they were behind Alabama, Georgia and, and Michigan, I think. So uh, that's pretty good company. That's the company that Texas is going to find itself in this year, which is why they need to hit, up, hit, hit their expectations. But they just lost so much on defense, not just the, the NFL talent guys, but the experienced leadership. Uh, you know, they lost guys in the secondary that turned the ball over. They lost guys in the front seven that got the sacks. They lost two of their, uh, their best running backs, even though Monty Bailey's been really good. I don't think they have a guy that really runs through contact like Kendry Miller did. Um, so they, they, you know, I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody should be surprised at TCU struggling this year. Uh, but that's all the more reason that, that Texas should go in and handle business. Let me ask you this. A uh, couple of things you're, you're really confident in about Texas in this game against TCU, and then maybe a couple of things you're worried about uh, against TCU. Well, I think Texas is going to be able to run the ball. Uh, you know, that's that's a big part of it. Uh, really, that sets up the entire offense for, um, you know, for, for the passing game. And I think they I think they can hit some deep shots on them, too. You know, they lost some really good uh, secondary personnel. And, and Texas has a, an advantage in that regard against almost anybody. There's even I mean, even against Alabama, they got two NFL corners and, and they're getting beat. Uh, they're beating those guys. So. I think that Sark's vision on offense and preference on offense can uh, can come to fruition. But obviously my biggest concern is everybody else's biggest concern is, you know, if Malik Murphy's starting, is he going to be able to take care of the football? Yeah, it, and that is that is a big one uh, because you can't turn the ball over twice in your own territory, get a punt blocked, and expect to beat a ranked team like Texas did on Saturday. I mean, yeah, they, <laughs> the day, that's what happened. I mean, Texas beat a ranked team after giving up a punt block in its own territory – and two turnovers in its own territory. Yeah, that's why, you know, I couldn't believe that Kleiman decided to go for it uh, on fourth down because Texas had not shown the, the ability to not shoot itself in the foot. Uh, and it was probably going to happen again. And they only got they only got three points on the on the first uh, first drive. Ooh, I could, that, that was a one time if ever you want to extend the game on the road. That was it. And Kleiman didn't do it. Uh, I was happy to see that attempt. But yeah, they did. You know, they've got to play much cleaner. And, um, you know, I mean, Malik can't. We can't throw some of those passes. There's just no excuse for it if it's your first start, second start. Uh, if it's not there, you can't throw it. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm worried about him trying to throw over the middle, just like, you know, I think I think Josh Hoover might have some issues. I think I think Malik's going to have those issues too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he Malik didn't just throw two interceptions. He threw two others that should have been picked. Right. Oh, yeah, the one in the end zone that got dropped, and I think they still got a field goal to go up 17. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah there's a number of issues there. Yep, absolutely. All right. Speaking with Eric Nalin, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Uh, if you want a subscription to InsideTexas.com, we have a special going on right now. $1 for two months. That's $1 for two months. It's where Eric, myself, uh, Jerry Hamilton, Joe Cook, uh, Justin Wells, Paul Wadlington, Ian Boyd, all post each and every day uh, and news and information and visit with you on the message boards as well. All right. Hey, Eric, uh, the thought process right now in recruiting is a little bit different than maybe uh, it has been in, in some time. A, a year ago, Texas was trying to rally to a, a big close. Two years ago, 
they were five and seven trying to rally to a big close, kind of surprisingly. This year, Texas is sitting at eight and one, and the news is relatively quiet. They have 19 commitments. Uh, they want to get to 23 or 24. Kobe Black still on the board, a number, a couple of other DBs like Xavier Filsame, uh, as well as uh, Wardell Mack still on the board. You know, what, what, where, where are you at in this recruiting process? Because it, it, it feels like Texas should maybe get more out of this eight and one season. But as Jerry likes to say, it's typically the next recruiting class that really gets the value out of a good season. Right. What are your thoughts right now? Well, you know, fortunately, they drew a couple of big needs forward. Uh, you know, they got Colin Simmons in the summer. They got Ryan Wingo last month. Uh, and, you know, those were massive gets that there were major needs. But, you know, Kobe Black, Wardell Mack, and you, you named the three that I would name as the most important. They need to keep bolstering that secondary. Kobe Black has a chance to be on the two deep next year as a, as a corner, perhaps even start. I think Wardell Mack is going to be able to play early special teams for sure. Uh, and then Phil Sam, I think we've all seen the, the issues at safety. And some of that is baseline talent. Uh, and, and so he would, he would elevate that room and get it, get, get another guy on par uh, with Derek Williams, which, you know, they, they have to keep elevating the, the baseline talent in that room. It's probably the lowest, lowest. Um, if you look at it, at least from a practical standpoint on the field right now, it's probably the least talented overall. It doesn't mean that, you know, that not all their issues have been to blame on talent. Uh, but, you know, if you want to reach the highest levels, you know, you need those types of players that they have. They've had at wide receiver. Uh, you know, they've had, a, you know, a tackle with Kelvin Banks, linebacker with Anthony Hill, despite his, his rough uh, game uh, last week. You're seeing these super talented players. Derek Williams, of course, is a perfect example for what we're talking about. Those are the type of guys that they need to keep getting in the, into the program and developing as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think the better you are across the board, we've seen this. We just talked about health earlier the depth has really just paid off for Texas. And that's one of the reasons why we thought they had a chance to go 10 and two in the first place this year is yeah. they, they had yeah. answers. They yeah. had answers. And depth, I think depth is going to be good next year. The bigger issue is going to be just the frontline talent replacing those guys. They're still going to have five bodies to throw at these positions, a defensive tackle. It's just whether or not any of them could play to the level of Tavondre Sweat and Alfred Collins and, you know, maybe Byron Murphy. So, Depth is still going to be good, but they've got to, you know, they got to figure out baseline, you know, the, the, the top talent on the team. They've got to keep elevating that. Uh, and it's, you know, they, it's an assembly line. You know, the 2022 guys will keep keep improving, 2023 the same. Now you got to get the 24 group in. Uh, and that's that's why that's why I'm so bullish on 2025, not to get too far out on, down the road. Um, but because it's, you know, that's when they start really reloading rather than rebuilding. All right. I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsor one more time. That's Adam Lowy, Lowy Law Firm. He's been helping Injured Texans for decades. Give him a call for a free consultation. That's right. It's free. Give him a shout if you've been injured in a car wreck or uh, on the job. 512-280-0800 or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. Thanks, Adam, for your sponsorship. Uh, Eric, we, we talk about this uh, almost each and every week, and, and that's where Texas is right now on the schedule. They're 8-1. and one. A good football team, maybe not a, a Rod Babers calls them a flawed football team. Yeah, They're good but flawed. And they I think, that, yeah, you and I agree with that. The thing that's happened this year compared to previous years, they've overcome those flaws, or they they they've they've pushed them to be, they've minimized them enough to right. be able to win late games. Yeah, um, another difference is every team is flawed. There's not that real obvious number one top team. Uh, everybody can be beat, or some of them, some of the ones that have looked the best haven't been tested nearly as much as Texas and, and Alabama and some other teams have. So 
everything's still on the table at eight and one. Um, and that, you know, that, that makes it exciting, but also um, nerve wracking. You know, we're not used to being in this position. It's been a, been a very long time. Yeah, it really has. Uh, you know, I, I, we were talking to Drew Kelson this morning uh, on the coffee and football program and uh, Drew made a good point. He's like, look, when I was in school, we only lost seven games. We expected to win. Right. Um, the difference he sees right now, I, I think, is a team uh, that is pushing, right, that is still trying to figure out who they are at some level, whereas they already had that level of expectation yeah. set. Um, and so he he feels like Texas will come out strong against TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech to try to continue this process of becoming a better overall prog- program. Is that kind of where you come out on this as well? Well, I'm, I'm sure they'll come out strong. I'm, I'm a little concerned about what it's going to look like in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I do think that they're learning how to win still. That was uh, one of the questions coming into the season is, yeah, you've got experience and depth and all that. It should make it easier to, to, to get over the hump and start winning these, these more difficult games. We're seeing that, that come to fruition. It still is concerning that some of these other teams are hang, hanging around uh, after these hot starts. They've got to, uh, you know, they've got to play much more consistent, consistently, play within themselves, much less mistakes. They're making too many mental, mental errors for my liking. Uh, you know, physical errors, that shouldn't happen because they're, they're the, the more physically dominant team in, against everybody they play. Uh, but the mental errors are, are what's keeping other teams in the game. One last thing I need to mention on State of the Program, because we do talk about not just Texas football and recruiting, but also the entire uh, college sports landscape as it relates to the University of Texas. Uh, this week is the early signing period for uh, non-revenue sports as well as basketball. So not only are a couple of basketball players, potentially three, signing this week uh, with the Longhorns, but every other sport as well, from tennis to swimming and diving, golf, uh, volleyball, I think has a big recruit coming in. Uh, so uh, that's another thing that everybody needs to be aware of, baseball uh, too. So I uh, just want to mention that. Uh, don't have any news necessarily to to parlay there, but know that behind the scenes, there are some big things going on in that regard. All right, uh, Eric, that's going to do it for this week's State of the Program, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. For Eric Nolene of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.